Next slide, please. If you've had a chance to walk out front, you would have noticed the nativity scene that Larry, who I like to consider our artist in residence, um, has created. Way back in the summer, he was asked to, to reimagine the nativity set, to spend some time thinking about what does this scene represent? What story is it trying to tell? And to create something that can draw us into the story in maybe a new way, that can help us see parts of it that we never noticed before, and imagine Christmas differently, and help pull us into the meaning of what it's all about. So you can experience it out front, but on one side, we've got the angel. She's holding a, a sofa, and that's like a trumpet. It would be a trumpet that would be used to announce what God is doing in this world, often associated with peace and justice. You've got the two little shepherds. Then way in the back, that's Joseph. And in front of him is Mary leaning to put baby Jesus into the crib. And then you have the magi, the wise people who travel from far in the east to come and bring Jesus some gifts. And way in the back, uh, Larry has given us Michael Franti, who is a famous musician, very famous for his protest songs. You have Roberta Bondar, the astronaut, holding the universe, the cosmos. And you have the chief of the Canadian Indigenous Council holding a blanket. All people who represent different kinds of wisdom. All people are coming to bring to Jesus gifts that say, welcome, we need you, show us the way. And we're using this to count down to Christmas. And we're looking at each character in this scene and asking, what do they tell us about how we're supposed to show up on Christmas morning? What does each one tell us about the disposition, the posture, the attitude, the mindsets that we're invited to have when we show up at the manger on Christmas? So last week we looked at the shepherds. And today we look at Mary and Joseph. Now, we probably know the most about Mary, right? I mean, when it comes to Christmas, she's kind of, you know, outside of Jesus, she's kind of the face of Christmas. We've got carols about her, we've got decorations of her, we think of her a lot. And her story is pretty well known. Mary's a young teen, teenager, maybe 14, 15 years old. And one day an angel named Gabriel shows up. And he floats down, and he goes into our house, and he starts the way they always start. Don't be afraid. And Mary, in this long tradition of courageous and strong women, she does not run away or freak out, but she remains open and stays to hear the message. And so Gabe, he proceeds to tell her the same thing that Joseph would later hear, that God has a special plan for the universe. But for the special plan to work, there's a catch. Just a small one. That for this plan to work, Mary, you would have to get pregnant. Now, we're not told why Gabriel asks this particular Mary. In a first century rabbinic commentary, uh, there are stories about how Gabriel approached other women before this, 
asking them all the same question, but they all turned him down. And it looks like Mary is going to do the same, because she says, oh, there must be some kind of mistake. I've never slept with a man. But the angel replies, nope, no mistake. If you are down with it, God's Spirit will come upon you. And your child, he will be called great, called the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace. He will be the Savior of the world. And you'll name him Jesus. And Mary, upon hearing this, she gives consent, saying, Yes, let me be the one to do this. So that's Mary's story. Then we have Joseph. And the poor guy, he kind of gets left out of Christmas, doesn't he? We don't really hear much about him. He kind of just gets forgotten. But his story, he's just as important. About eight months after this, Joseph finally clues in that Mary might be pregnant. He must have gone to school in Ontario. Yeah, that's right. And just before he's about to break off the engagement, he has this dream where an angel appears to him. And the angel says, hey, don't freak out that your fiancé is pregnant. She's conceived through the Holy Spirit. It's part of what God is doing in the universe. Oh, and one more thing. I need you to name him Jesus. And Joseph wakes up, and what's he do? Instead of breaking it off as he planned, instead of being even more freaked out, he changes his mind. He stays with Mary. He says, yes what God is asking him to do. Their stories are pretty stunning, aren't they? I mean, there's the craziness and wonder of it all. There's the whole virgin birth thing. There's the whole God is having a baby that's God amongst us. There's angels appearing. But maybe the most stunning thing in this whole story is what their yes involved. And we kind of lose out on the significance of this because the whole story kind of becomes sanitized as we turn it into just a cute little children's pageant. But think about it for a second. What was at stake? What did it mean for them to each say yes? Well, first off, there's a loss of family and community and religion. Having a baby out of wedlock would have been an issue all on its own, but stating that you're having God's baby? Mary would be disowned by her family and her friends. She'd be exiled from the temple, being branded a heretic. And she'd be completely alone. Now, a woman in that age, that was a death sentence especially if Joseph were to break off the engagement. But Joseph didn't. He stayed. He took her home. Can you imagine that conversation? (laughs) Mom, Dad, I want you to meet Mary. Oh, don't worry. It's not mine. It's God's. (laughs) How would that go over? It probably would not go over very well. Joseph would be disowned too. He'd be kicked out of his family, his community, his temple. There's a reason that they had to look for a place to stay in Bethlehem. 
There's a reason they had to stay at an inn. They weren't welcome anywhere else. Nobody wanted them. To say yes was to risk losing their entire community and become totally and utterly alone. And that would lead us to the second thing, a life of total poverty. Now we know from where Mary and Joseph lived that they would probably already be very poor to begin with. Joseph is what we call a tekon. That's the, the Hebrew word for it. And it means carpenter or stonemason. He's a builder. He makes stuff. On the status level, he'd be towards the very, very bottom. And Mary, well, as a woman, she was virtually unemployable. But also at this time, there was what was called triple taxation. You would be expected to pay a tax to the emperor, King Herod, and the temple. And scholars think at this time you'd be paying upwards of 80% of your salaries. So already things would be super tight for them. And so to be cut off from family and friends and support from the church, they would have to find a way to survive completely on their own. So to say yes to God, that was the risk being completely cut off from any kind of support they could possibly find. And then, of course, and no biggie here, there's the treason that they were committing. When the angels showed up to Mary and Joseph, what did they say about this child they would have? They told Mary, he will be great. He will be called the King of Kings and the Prince of Peace. He will become the Savior of the world. Where do you think they got those lines from? Do you think God was just like, here's your scroll? Because they certainly weren't new lines. Every person alive in that world would know the title King of Kings, Prince of Peace, and Savior of the world. And it was not from the Bible. Those were official titles. Those were imperial titles. Those were the titles of the emperor. He was the king of kings, the prince of peace, and the savior of the world. Nobody else would dare call themselves that because to call yourself that would be a direct threat against the emperor. You'd get killed for calling yourself that, and you certainly would get killed for calling your kid there's a reason why Mary and Joseph become refugees later on in the story. Because they chose to say yes, and they set themselves directly against the emperor. And the angels giving these titles to Jesus put him in direct confrontation with the systems of power that were. To say yes to that was to take on the very empire and commit treason. A capital crime. So what was at stake for Mary and Joseph to say yes to bringing God into the world in a brand new way? Absolutely everything. This was a life and world-changing decision. It would turn everything upside down. It would completely change their story. So put yourself in their shoes. 
Imagine being asked to say yes to that. But despite all those risks, despite all the consequences that they would have known all too well, despite the loss of community and financial support, despite the fact that they could be hunted down and crucified, they each said yes. They each risked everything to be a part of what God is doing in this world through Jesus. So back to our question for the season. What does that tell us about how to arrive at Christmas? What can we learn from these two about how we're supposed to show up to the manger? Well, it tells us we're not supposed to show up just happy and excited. We show up ready to risk. Having seen and felt what God is doing through Christmas. Having seen and felt that a new kind of life and a new kind of world is happening. A life and a world of hope, joy, peace, and love where everyone has a place and everyone has enough. We show up knowing the stakes. And just like Mary and Joseph, we show up willing to risk everything by saying yes. We show up ready for everything to change, ready to nurture and nourish this new vision for this world, and ready to defy and resist everything that gets in its way. So the question for us to rumble with this Advent is what do you each need to do to arrive in this way? What work do you have to do to get ready to risk everything? Are you willing to show up and have everything turned upside down? Now, I can't answer that for you. I have to answer my own questions. But it's an important one for us to each ask because it reminds us that Christmas isn't something we just celebrate, but it's something that we embrace. It's the invitation to move past the happiness and joy of it all and join in in what God is doing in this world, repairing and restoring it until everyone and everyone can live a life of hope, joy, peace, and love. And because saying yes to that is life change, and because it does flip everything upside down, because it's a huge ask, Jesus gave us this meal that we call communion. It was his way of reminding us that we are made to take this risk, that we each have it in us to actually do this. And it was his way of reminding us that we don't do it alone, but we do it surrounded by people who have seen and felt what God is doing. And we do it filled up with that spirit that makes all things new. So to you who have felt and seen the reverence of Christmas, to you who long for a life in a world that was always meant to be, may you hear the invitation that Mary and Joseph give us, and may you get ready to risk everything and help birth it all into existence. Here in this meal you'll find what you need to say yes. Here you'll find the strength and the community to help you show up ready to nurture and nourish this new life and new world into existence. And so for those of you who are invited into the manger, this is the bread of life. 
is broken for you. This is the cup of joy. It's poured out for you. May you be bold. May you be daring. And may you come and eat and drink as much as you need to get ready to show up, willing to risk it all, knowing that it's worth it. Would you bow your heads and let's say a prayer. So God, when we confront ourselves with the story of Mary and Joseph, we hear in at the invitation to be like them and risk everything by saying yes to Christmas. Knowing it's not just about presents and meals and festivities, but it's about a revolution that can change the world. And so hearing the invitation to show up ready to risk everything, we sit down at this table where we're all welcome, we all have a place, and we get ready to receive the strength that we need to say yes, to do the hard work of showing up in a way that risks it all. So God, may you bless this meal. Transform it into whatever we need it to be. And may it sustain us until we arrive at Christmas, ready to be transformed by it all and risk everything. Amen.